there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello, you're very welcome again to Your Politics, the RTE political team's weekly podcast from Leinster House. I'm Anya Lawler, Sinead Spain is here with me. Presently, David Murphy and Michal Lehan will be joining us. It was the week of thinkings. Hello, Michal, who's just sitting down. So, Michal, it's the usual... the pre-dawl week, so they all gather for their think-ins and they all try to get the headlines. What's the flavour of the week been so far overall? I think a focus on the European and local elections in particular, because that is the election that's definitely happening next year. And I suppose then that question mark, could there be another one as well? So all kinds of questions about future, uh, they hang there in the balance and I suppose policies in the lead up to that election. I suppose tomorrow Fine Gael will be an interesting one, a sense in Fine Gael that no matter what they do now, uh, some comparing it to being akin to being in primary school and secondary school and having the same set of teachers all the way along, that these faces have been seen for a long time. So that's the challenge there, uh, to try and dispel that criticism that is there now, that they don't, they have run out of ideas and that they're, they are suffering on that front. What can be done to arrest that? For Fianna Fáil, of course, there is that big question, isn't there? What happens after the local and European elections and will the party leader Antonis to make his way to Europe at that point? Something that is flatly denied, of course, at the moment. But that's the way it would be anyway. And when wasn't he saying earlier in the week, absolutely, absolutely, I'm going to lead Fianna Fáil into the next election? Yeah, he was adamant to that point. And then some people will draw your attention to the fact that when it comes to the selection of candidates and putting the strategy in place for the local elections in particular, that he is across every detail of that, which suggests that this is someone who is committing uh, to a future in domestic politics. But I suppose he is keeping all his options open. If he is to go to Europe, it would have to be from a position of strength uh, and the better that his party would do in those elections, uh, the stronger the position. So I think that's still in the mix. It is notable, though, that it seems within Fianna Fáil uh, at the beginning of this stall term, uh, and this autumn term in particular, unlike other years, that doesn't appear to be any noticeable discontent, noticeable at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is very much, I mean, you'd Mary Lou MacDonald making her first reappearance today. That party, of course, will also be having their thinking tomorrow along with the Greens. We have the Social Democrats uh, and Labour today. So everyone setting out her stall and we had Mary Lou MacDonald very much uh, setting out her stall Uh, in terms of uh, her ill health, her hysterectomy (coughs) and her recovery uh, and the importance of that conversation. We'll come to that uh, in a little while. But we were hearing from Micheál Martin at the Fianna Fáil thinking about how he would absolutely lead uh, Fianna Fáil into the next election. Uh, And the other issues that cropped up for Fianna Fáil, of course, that question of if after the next election they were approached as a coalition partner or they were approaching coalition partners, whether they could do business with Sinn Féin. That was interesting, wasn't it? The questioning and and the answers on that. I mean, an awful lot of negativity, but not an absolute no, not the way you would have heard in the past. No, and if you look to absolutes now around the formation of the next government, potentially, it does seem like Fine Gael, and its current leader at least, and that would seem to be the policy of the party as well, will not talk to, to Sinn Féin about forming a government. Leo Varadkar going so far as to say he would leave Fine Gael, uh, if that were to happen. So everything else seems to be on the table. And that was 
again there today when the Social Democrats spoke about talking to everyone after the next election. And I think there is someone somewhere uh, do have this idea that you could see Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin and the Social Democrats. That would be the kind of wide mm-hmm. coalition and it would be require something like that if those two parties are going to come together that you would need the third. So I think all these kind of ideas are in the mix. It's probably still a long way for Fianna Fáil to travel, at least if Michal Martin is there. For others in the party, well, that distance uh, wouldn't yeah. wouldn't be quite so great. And the big question for Sinn Féin, David, as the new political season opens again, they're having their, their thinking uh, on Friday uh, as well. And Mary Lou Macdonald, as I said, you know, being very open today about her, her health issues, her hysterectomy, talking about the importance of this public conversation. And then from tomorrow, she says she wants to get back into the politics. But the politics are, you know, They may have the polls at the moment. They may have, you know, that popularity in the polls at the moment. But the test is going to come very much, isn't it now, for Mary Lou Macdonald and Sinn Féin to deliver next year in the locals, in the Europeans and possibly the general. And after that, find a way to government, even if they are the largest party. So I think it's going to be interesting when we see the Doyle resume on Wednesday because it's really going to be back down to basics. So that's going to be housing. It's particularly going to be uh, cost of living. Just in the past hour, we've had Pierce Doherty out on the plinth pressing the point that now the European Central Bank has put up interest rates for a 10th time. He thinks that the government should introduce mortgage interest relief. He says it should be capped at €1,500 per annum. But I think that that's just a kind of an opener regarding where the focus is going to be. We already know that oil prices are on their way back up. They were around $70 a barrel. They're now around $90 a barrel. That's going to feed through to uh, price increases. Ultimately, even though the energy companies, and we saw it again today with Pinergy, are beginning to uh, cut prices. But the Taoiseach says there's more to go on that. And I'll come back to you on all those pre-budget questions in a moment. But just, uh, if you like, on the general political scene as well, Sinead, at the moment, because the other battle that we're going to see in politics is is a generational one. And we've heard this from, you know, uh, the smaller parties today, like Labour and the Social Democrats, Holly Cairns talking about, you know, generation rent and a generation that, you know, wants a change. We'll also be hearing that message, I presume, uh, from Sinn Féin. And a question again, you know, in the spreading around of whatever largesse there is to be given in the budget of, you know, who benefits. It's traditionally skewed towards older people, but younger people, that's where the big pitch for votes is going to be, those under 40s. It is. And, you know, traditionally, um, the younger people don't vote. Um, their their vote can't be relied upon um, as as much as older people can. And I suppose that's why oftentimes these things are, are skewed towards them. But I think what's very interesting about, you know, the, the makeup of the, the next election, Michal Martin said at his thinking, you know, we don't do coronations in this country. And he was talking about Sinn Féin and the expectation. And he had a go at the media saying, you know, you are talking about the next election as though it's a fait accompli, that Mary Lou Macdonald will be the next Taoiseach. And I suppose he's acutely aware of it. But mm-hmm. Sinn Féin are also acutely aware of it because you can't take anyone's vote for granted. And Sinn Féin have done very well in recent years in terms of bringing out a younger vote. They seem to be creating that momentum that older people are getting in behind them. That's what the polls are showing anyway. Yeah. And I think that really they'll be acutely aware of that point that there is no coronation. Every vote still has to be fought for. And we'll probably see that frizz on or edge 
coming into the political sphere between all of the parties once the term gets back. And all the polls can can give us <clears throat> our trends, Micheál. But on the other hand, what it does appear that, and I'll come on to the budget in a moment, but what it does appear is that for Sinn Féin, even if they have a great day in the locals, the Europeans, and crucially, the general, the path to government even with the bonus of the constituency boundary redrawing and so on, path to government may not be easy. No, it's it's by any standards and looking at the polls, even in the most optimistic terms for Sinn Féin, that there is going to have to be a serious negotiation there. And if you look at past form on this, when maybe even more straightforward coalitions were put together, that that is a torturous process. So that seems inevitable. And I think what happens too in relation to the locals and the Europeans next year, up until the last locals, they were always seen as a really proper gauge uh, beyond and above opinion polls. But last time out, what happened in the local elections uh, was not reflective of what happened in the general election. So that's a key point. And for those types of reasons, there there are some people you'll meet in Leinster House who say, well, after the locals, maybe the wisest thing to do is quickly go back to the country and have that general election before anything settles and get people uh, to make the definitive choice, the bigger choice when it comes to TDs quickly. Now, that's a very flippant conversation, but it is a widespread one. But of course, when it comes to calling that election, it usually is caution that wins out. All right. Well, the other issue, of course, is the budget. Less than a month to go. Uh, And David, uh, is it going to be, because, you know, we know there's a lot uh, of money in the government coffers. Uh, We know the parameters of the budget for the summer economic statement. Then it's a question of how much in one-off measures you want to do on top. Uh, Then it's down to the arguments between the parties and you have both finance ministers, Pascal Donoghue and Fine Gael, the Minister for Public Spending and Reform and Finance Minister Michael McGrath, both emphasising this week the need for prudence and they're not going to waste the corporation taxes. The first time sign as well that maybe they're on the turn, those mega receipts. And of course, as you say, another hike in interest rates. So against that backdrop, what can we expect, do you think? Well, I think it's interesting in relation to the corporation tax receipts where for the first time we saw um, a big drop, a one-month drop in August of a billion euro. The key month for corporation tax receipts is traditionally November. Um, But for a number of years, the Department of Finance and whoever has been Minister for Finance have been continually warning about the volatility of the income from corporation tax. And for the first time, maybe they're quite happy to see that there has been a little bit of a drop so they can point to that and say, look, we can't rely on that money. So the other problem is it's almost worse than having no money, having loads of money, because if you've got loads of money, everybody makes a pitch for it. So it was interesting to see last weekend um, talk about a cut to the universal social charge. Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's a different way of being able to deliver money to workers as opposed to a a cut in terms of income tax. But for many people, it may not make that much difference. Um, We'll just have to see what kind of detail they come out with on the day. I guess there's that. There's an awful lot of uh, spending increases they're going to have to look at. And then there's the pressure coming in from the Department of Health. And we've seen some sort of tensions there between the Department of Health and the Department of Public Expenditure and Reform insofar as there's a lot of pressure on spending there and how much has been spent so Mm -hmm. far and will there need to be a supplementary estimate built into the figures for next year. 
I'm just wondering, because I mean, the tax package last year was around 1.1 billion, wasn't it? And I, I think the parameters for this year, they're, they're not similar, 1.15. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, that argument that Fine Gael was making and th- those Fine Gael junior ministers earlier in the year for, for uh, is that Fine Gael target going to be met or, or well, it was interesting that it was some Fine Gael ministers and they nailed their colours to the mast. But ultimately, if Fine Gael wants something, the Taoiseach um, would agree that with the coalition party leaders. But the, the, um, the Taoiseach never made yeah. that request. So in a he way... He knew about that request. Though. He knew about <laughs> it, but he didn't make it. So yeah. there's a, a little bit of a nuance there. And then the question is how much on the cost of living because, you know, and how much, um, how many of the one-off measures because... Well, well all there the, was all about the four billion music. on those last yeah. year, wasn't there? And so, how much of that got, gets to be repeated? And then you get back to the row at the fiscal advisory council of when is a one-off, a recurring expenditure that if your corporation tax receipts run out, you don't actually have the tax base for. Well, the excise and petrol and diesel are, are due to go up um, in the autumn. So one easy win is to not let it go up. Um, now they would have to step in and do something about that. That would be one thing. The other thing is whether or not they do another two hundred euro uh, on energy. And I think um, you could fund. There's going to be an energy windfall tax, isn't that right? So that could is. fund that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's the, that money is there, and I suppose Fine Gael too. Like have let it be known that they like the idea of the three credits. Uh, Fianna Fáil have been a little bit more cautious on saying what they want there but there is no doubt there is going to be energy support and there is the money there to fund it yeah. it's the other bits and it was interesting comments from the Taoiseach last week when it comes to child benefit it had been an expectation that, that would increase uh, that being a universal payment but he him citing the ESRI data on this that if you are to, to benefit the children that are in poverty you could have a greater impact uh, by targeting it rather than giving it to everybody so that's a kind of always a, a contentious point so could it be again that you'll see some kind of one-off uh, payment or one-off increase on things like child benefit. And and who will get them? Will everybody get them? I mean, Labour uh, today saying there should be a cap on childcare costs, Social Democrats saying there shouldn't be cuts uh, to the universal social charge. But the, the approach very much taken last year, Sinead, was it, wasn't it? It was in many ways, you know, universal, you know, something for everyone in the audience. And obviously with elections com- coming, you know, politicians want to have want something, to give something for everyone to in the audience. But the argument again and again, you know, from, you know, groups like the Fiscal Advisory Council and think tanks like the ESRI and, you know, campaigners uh, for social justice is the targeted measures. And maybe instead of a budget with everyone, something for everyone in the audience, there should be a big idea. Chances of? Well, <laughs> it's hard to know, but the Taoiseach did make child poverty uh, a, a staple of his uh, his term as that's Taoiseach right, yeah. and in his inauguration speech not that that's not the phrase I'm looking for his speech when he was made Taoiseach yeah. he said child poverty would be a consistent theme of his term as Taoiseach and he has set up this child poverty unit within the department and he has consistently said that this budget will be framed with that child poverty unit in mind so I would expect that there will be something um, will be done right. and that that would be a targeted measure. The other big story of the week, uh, of course, RTE and the board and senior executives were back before the Earthless Committee uh, yesterday. Uh, what did we learn? We learned that there's a new smaller RTE on the way, one that potentially will have more people working outside of Dublin, that will have more production outside of Dublin, and one that it seems will at least sell off part of uh, the land that remains uh, in Donnybrook. That seems, even though there is political kickback to the idea of selling that land uh, today, it, that kickback is... 
Well, Wordy it was based on, I mean, there, there was Kieran Cannon and um, Michael Carragy, wasn't it, said uh, yesterday to RTE that they estimated the land based on previous... Half a billion. Say, half a billion. So yeah. half a billion that RTE could, could yeah. put on the table. Even though the Taoiseach and the Taunish again today kind of cautioning against that. And I suppose that gets to the nub of all And this. some of the biggest homeowners in the country saying they, they wouldn't pay that kind of money, nor near it. Yeah. <laughs> but when you see the political reaction at the, at the upper echelons to, to that idea today... When it comes to making decisions and making choices, that is going to be the tension now, isn't it? Something that Shuni Rahali spoke about, those hard choices that will have to involve policymakers. And it doesn't seem that that kind of common ground exists yet. What you still see is a degree of tension, is a a demand from politicians for more accountability and more answers Mm -hmm. as to what happened. Even if perhaps at other levels of government, things are moving ahead. Kevin Backers, the Director General, talking about discussions with New Era being measured. Uh, But that hasn't seeped down into the committee rooms in Leinster House yet. That much is clear evidence in the clearest terms by Fine Gael TD, Brendan Griffin's comment that he couldn't trust RT with his licence money, even though he is going to pay it, but he would prefer to buy a round of drinks in a pub and saying too that he would get more cultural content for that. Another point of sticky Straighter answers. Yeah, he can do both. He can do, he says he has to do both now. (laughs) Um, and, and again, a lot of politicians have been emphasising the importance of paying the licence fee and that you're not paying for RTE, but you're paying for the services that, that people are using. It's coming Not around. enough, though. I think there is a view at the top of government that not enough politicians, even at their own ranks, did uh, bring that yeah. message forward through the summer. Because all of this, of course, is adding to the accumulating financial crisis and the accumulating potential bailout. And in terms of this tension as to, you know, the need for a bailout and the terms and conditions that might apply, the Director General, the new Director General, Kevin Backhurst, uh, yesterday, David, talking about his October plan. So we'll see that plan for reform and cutbacks in RTE before the budget. Is that right? Yeah, from the way Kevin Backhurst was talking, I think we'd see it before the budget. But I think there's a kind of a a bigger picture in this, which is that you've got a a state-owned organisation which got itself into a very big mess. That mess has resulted in a funding crisis. And then I think from the government point of view, they're probably looking uh, looking across at RTE and saying, why should we have to... Uh, fund the shortfall, considering this was a homegrown problem of RTEs. And I think from that point of view, Kevin Backhurst has to show that he is willing to address at least some of the funding shortfall one way or another. And politically, Mm -hmm. that will give cover for the government to do something for RTE. And it also shows that there is leadership, there is management going on, but none of this is going to be painless from what we heard from Kevin Backhurst yesterday. Uh, and a lot of focus as well uh, that's still to um, be clarified on, you know, various other, you know, the voluntary redundancy scheme and so on, um, various reports, to, more reports to come from Grant Thornton, also the whole issue of um, bogus self-employment and the costs of all of that. And again, pointed questions about that. Uh, at the Quite committee. a comment from Kevin Baggers too around compulsory redundancy saying he doesn't think the government will be on board for that and letting it be known that the government would have to approve such a move. So that puts it back into the political realm. If if a move like that is on the cards, he's saying he will do everything possible to avoid it though. And it was interesting in all the demands for change because we did have um, under the previous Director General, there was at one stage, wasn't there a big plan for, for change and cutbacks in RTE and various things were going to happen. 
uh, Lyric was going to be closed down, 2FM was well, going to be our, sold. Our colleague Sandra Hurley wrote an interesting piece for the website yesterday in which she listed a number of cutbacks which have in the past been proposed by RTE. You mentioned Lyric, the RTE guide being another where ultimately those decisions um, didn't proceed because of opposition, opposition from staff, opposition from politicians. So I think the point being that it's all very well to talk about cutbacks in RTE, but sometimes when the politicians see the reality of those cutbacks, they can oppose them themselves. And that's where it will get quite tricky. And I think the clearly with RTE, the bulk of its costs actually come in payroll. And in an organisation, in a situation like that, the way they usually cut their costs is by a voluntary redundancy scheme. But Kevin Barker said that at the moment, RTE doesn't have the money to do that. So that makes it particularly tricky. So I think that's why he mentioned cutting the kind of discretionary spending which they can do uh, at the moment. But that, that will result in consequences. So I think overall, there's going to be a lot for the politicians to chew on when they see the colour of Kevin Backer's plan next month. It's a pretty sorry mess overall, isn't it? And I suspect we're only at the end uh, of the beginning. Let's move on to something else where uh, there's not much cause for celebration at the moment, uh, it seems. I was struck, actually, in particular, um, Alex Kane, the Northern Ireland commentator, wrote a particularly downbeat column this week about unionism and its loss of faith in the Good Friday Agreement at this week. We had the verbal spat between Chris Heaton-Harris and uh, the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar, over the Taoiseach saying he expected or thought within his On lifetime. The path, yeah. yeah uh, he would see a united Ireland. And, you know, we had that big economic conference and all the rest and if, if you like the skeleton is still there but it ain't working is it and no signs of it working anytime soon No and the Taoiseach very clear when he spoke to the media before the summer how things in relation to what's happening in London and the relationship between Dublin and London how that really has not improved at all over the last 18 months or so and how they do not seem to work together or work as a joint force anymore and I suppose until that changes, uh, it's hard to see real momentum and the two governments being able to, to drive things forward and get things back up and running. And there's no evidence at all. If anything, that seems to have taken a further backward step this week, hasn't it? Yeah, and unionism doesn't seem to be, you know, rushing back to power sharing in any way, shape or form at the moment, does it? No, they're not. And I saw somebody point out on social media during the week that the Taoiseach went uh, north to discuss peace building um, and to discuss a massive peace fund that they had put together with the EU and the UK government and ended up falling out with Chris Heaton Harris. That was really what happened with at their peace building event. And there was a certain irony in that. Um, I think Chris Heaton Harris was irked by his comments on a United Ireland. And I think he said um, they weren't helpful. Isn't they that weren't right? and, helpful. You know, and yes. they did separate press conferences afterwards and they were quite tetchy. And uh, the Taoiseach and Chris Heaton Harris had different recollections of the things that were said inside the room. Um, whereas normally we just have an agreed text mm -hmm. and say this is what we talked about this is what we agreed or we had different positions but there just appeared to be no coordination between the two sides and then there's also the legacy bill um, yes. and 
earlier this week, Micheál Martin spoke about that and said that they're looking at all the available options in relation to that, that they've sought some legal advice and they will consider the legal route if the British government doesn't pull back. So while there had been something of a thaw in relations, um, I think that um, there's a, a long way to go there. When you compare it, though, I was reading John Major's biography over the summer and the, the autobiography and the relationship with Albert Reynolds and that, that commitment from day one that no one would not leave the other one exposed at any point, whatever was said behind closed doors. It does seem a million miles away from that. If you look at the way the Taoiseach has approached things, talking about reunification, saying that he was quite relaxed about the whole the Wolf Tones reaction to all that at Electric Picnic, then on the other hand, holding up a Linfield jersey uh, just some weeks earlier. It does lack the kind of thought out discipline of previous administrations, whether that's a good or a bad thing. Well, that's for others to judge, but it definitely is different and perhaps at times seemingly chaotic to the when you're looking at it. Um, all right, and, and let's wrap up with the fact that uh, Ireland is to get another MEP, Miho. Ireland is to get another MEP. All parties watching that. That's another theme of the Thinkings as to candidate selection uh, when it comes to that. Interesting points from Ivana Bacic on that and the, something understandably Labour will be emphasising, but talking about the rise of the far right across Europe and how that could ultimately lead to, to more extreme right-wing commissioners taking office. And I think that is going to be a pitch from some of the parties here in the local elections about the need to curb that. And indeed, and, and whatever about a swing to the right in the European elections, which m- many analysts across Europe are predicting, it, it is always quite striking, isn't it, when you walk into the European Parliament, the because people have flags displayed on their desks, just the size of that right block, and some of it quite extreme, uh, the size of that right block in the European Parliament is all already quite large. Quite large and certain countries that did look to be going in a totally different direction, like Finland, uh, changing course uh, this year. So I think, yeah, that that is striking. And of course, all played out against the backdrop of uh, so many people from Ukraine uh, coming to live in other EU states uh, and some politicians uh, stoking up the tensions on that front. Yes, and uh, it looks in the, indeed as though the war will be continuing well into 2024 and and who can predict beyond that, which is where we're going on that thought we're going to uh, leave you for this week. We'll be back next week, of course, next week. Uh, the thaw will be back, so this place will be humming with TDs coming and going and speculating about all matters budgetary and election-wise and all of that. So we'll be back to keep you posted on all that's going on. Until then, from all of us, goodbye. Take care. Bye.